Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, and... Um... Last Shabbos of the year, and I'm going to do the Haftarah today um, in uh, in honor of the yard site of my father-in-law, which was just the other day. Uh, so this, uh, I expect, will be the last one of the year, unless I don't know, unless somebody pops up out of nowhere for Rosh Hashanah, whatever. But um, and uh, my father-in-law is the yard site Eugene Hedelman, Yehovah Ben Yosef. Uh, who was a uh, very famous attorney back in the day. Died almost 20 years, I think 2004, I think, I think, um, if I remember correctly. And uh, I just have to tell you a story, what kind of a lawyer he was, then I'll talk about the Haftorah. <laughs> he, he, I don't know if I ever mentioned it before. He had a case, he was a real estate lawyer, and he had a case uh, in front of a judge, and they were trying the case. And then the other lawyer said, you know, I just remembered... Your Honor, one year ago, in this court, we were here, and we two lawyers, we were arguing the other side of the law, and you found for him. In other words, his argument at that time, which is identical with mine today, is the one with, that you poskin. So you should do that today. And the judge said, you know, you're right, I forgot about that. And he said to my father, what do you have to say? <laughs> and my father answered, he says, I know, that's exactly why I'm here, Your Honor, because one year ago in this very court, there took place a gross miscarriage of justice, and we're going to see that it's put right today. <laughs> and he won the case. So there must be some uh, sustel for Yom HaDin, but I'll leave that alone. We're looking at the last uh, Haftorah, or the one of Nitzavim, which is really wild and lyrical. So is Tosis, but I'm, you know, where the prophet Isaiah really uh, goes on steroids about the future glorious redemption. And I would call attention to one thing that always, uh, you know, I, I, I always notice it every year, but I didn't throw myself 100% into it. Um, one second. Okay, and I'm referring to uh, the famous Pusik that we always uh, recite, which is, um, uh, which means what? The, the Novi is talking about a glorious future, the kingdom will be restored, everything will be glorious. And in Pasuk Dal, it says, No one will call you abandoned anymore, and they won't call your country Shmama, desolate. Your name, O Zion, will be switched from Azuva to Chepziba. Chepziba means I'm always uh, desiring of it. You know, so it's the reverse of. Azuva, and um, and the land will be called Beula, from the word Bia, which is unusual. God wants you, your land, will be Bia. And he goes, and that's a, it's a very unusual language, in my opinion. And all the Mepharshim are like, oh, you know, and everybody uses euphemisms. 
The way a bachur is boel a besula, your children will be boel you eretz yisrael the eretz. Um, is that a graphic? Now, um, and I don't want to tell you something. I said, how did the guy do it? You look up Bible Hub. Everybody says the same thing. Is marry? You understand? In other words, uh, as a as a young man marries a young woman, your builder will marry you, or you know words along those lines. It doesn't say the word um, marry. Uh, that's a nice word. It says the word bia and boel is pretty direct and pretty graphic. I mean, if I'm talking to somebody in yeshiva, we say kiyeva bocher as a bocher is boel a I mean, everybody knows what that means. So why does the prophet use that language? Especially Yeshayahu is famous for using high and fancy uh, language. It's obviously something very deliberate, uh, and. Uh, it's it's uh, graphically sexual. I mean, now it's interesting that when you have such things, um, a lot of time the targums and Talmudic interpretation is to indeed, uh, what's the right word, to uh, use euphemisms. Last week, for example, we had, as everybody knows, um, in the Tochacha. It says Yishkalena, but instead we read Yishkavena. Uh, to, 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 as, as a Balkari, Yishkavena, uh, because you don't want to be so uh, uh, graphic. and It's a bad taste. But here there is. Now, it's very interesting. There's a Talmud. Even in the Gemara, let's put it this way, the Talmudic tradition is to be euphemistic. Uh, I'm thinking, of course, of the famous beginning of Moe Cotton where we talk about different types of fields. Remember, they talk about, cutting about you know, what you can do with Cholomoy, and the kind of field you can water, and the fields you can't water, and all that. And the Mechal between a Beis HaShalchun on the one hand, and a Beis HaBal on the other. I'm sure many are more or less familiar. I'm just opening up an art scroll. One minute, Moi cutting here, Gemara. And here on the first page, it says, you know, that for a Beis HaShalchun, you do one thing, Mashkin base a shach mamoy to Shuyas, right? Avoloma, where is it? And he talks about a base habal you treat differently, and because that because base habal gets the, the the water from the rain, and the Gemara says, I'm quoting, having analyzed the term base shalchim used by the mission irrigated field. Uh, the Gemara proceeds to analyze the term in the above answer referred to a field that consists of on rainwater alone. Well, my mashma the high base habal loshan he. You see the word baal, which means boel. How do you know it? It, it really means uh, yoshev. Okay, and what is the indication that this term base habal is the expression of being settled, i.e., that the field is satisfied with natural rainwater? Is no need to manually water it. And he said, the proof is our Haftarah today. Kival Bachor Basula is written, as a young man lives, Yival, with a virgin, so shall your children live in you. He's quoting the Pasuk over here. Uh, and the Targum Yonason is, As a young man settles down with a virgin, so your children will settle in you. So it's the Lashon of, of Hityashvut of settling, like they use nowadays the settlers in Israel and all that kind of stuff. And therefore, um, I'm, I'm looking at the notes here, the Mukiyosa says, 
The young man marries a basula, settles contently his home, no longer wanders from place to place like when he was single. The term corresponds to the word baal, therefore base a baal refers to a field which is settled, doesn't have to be artificially watered. As far as I can see, those are euphemisms. Um, as I, I would understand it, that the rainwater, I don't know how you put this, the rainwater waters the field, so the rainwater penetrates the, the ground. You, you get the vort. Um, if you're not, then too bad for you. Now, um, this is the meaning of the word Yivalopadayich. So why would Yeshayo, under a, a, a Nevuah type thing, you know, use this? It just always strikes me as something interesting. Now, um, some of your Mepharshim, you know, uh, wrestle with it. And uh, I see that Ibn Ezra, for example, clearly understands Bia's Bia. And he says, Givoch, Derech Moshal, Shuvah Melucha. That the whole thing's a Moshal. That the Melucha knows not only will the Jews return to Israel, but they get their own state back. And that would be expression of Kiyavolabach, you know, the Jews will totally penetrate in Eretz Yisrael, as it were. Uh, here we have a very interesting concept, because, let's put it this way, we've been in Israel before and we lost it. Uh, there was a Bayes Rishon, was a Bayes Shani, you've had more than one Gaulus. So being in Israel itself doesn't prove anything. And it is uh, weird to the nature of Jewish history that we never have a real connection. Uh, we never have a real connection uh, to Israel the way Gaim have to their country. What I mean by that is the French lose a war, a big deal. It's happened, but they don't get kicked out of their country. Uh, the Russians lose a war, they don't get kicked out of the country, or the Ukrainians even. But if the Jews, every time we've ever lost a war, we got kicked out of the country by Yisrishan, by Shani, and so forth. So, uh, and God forbid, if the Arabs, I mean, I don't have to say a word, the Arabs, if they had their way, they wouldn't simply defeat Israel, they would whatever. And so, we don't have this, um, it's not our fate, our destiny, to have, until Isaiah's prophecy, this kind of unbreakable connection uh, with Eretz Yisrael. We pray for this in the Dominic. I don't know if you noticed this. On Shabbos, it says, uh, what's the right word? Tikanta Shabbos, Yisrael, Yisrael, and so on and so forth. Wait a minute, what's the word? Yeah, here's this. It's funny what goes out of your head, you know. Uh, you say all the time in Dominic, you hear it some of Venecho, Shatale. We rattle us on every Shabbos. Translate those words. Do you bring us up in Simcha to our land? That's an interesting expression. And plant us in our borders. And the idea behind that is, you have a sturdy plant, it won't be ripped out by winds. That's what it means. So notice we're saying all the time in Davening, take us back to Eretz Yisrael, but not as a temporary thing. The first time, it turned out to be a temporary thing, and the second. The third time, Mashiach times, see to plant this deeply and securely in the soil, so that even if a, a, a storm or wind goes by, you know, the, the plant bends and so forth, and it doesn't get ripped out. Uh, I don't know where you live, but I'm in Baltimore, and lately, I've noticed, the last 10 years or so, when it comes to one of these big rains, uh, now the trees are not, and, and you know, storms, uh, you see the trees falling right and left, which I don't remember being the case when I was young. Maybe I just didn't notice. 
But now, especially a homeowner, I mean, it was a lot on, on, on Menlo and these other streets. It was crazy. And I know people personally, you know, a tree crashed into their house. So, um, and you wouldn't have thought so. So it means that the roots weren't good. Uh, now, those trees have been there for hundreds of years, but by this time, the, the roots weren't good anymore. We are praying that we should have different the third time. So, so, cease Tashem, Tagal Nashabal that I'll rejoice in the Lord when the Mashiach comes. That's the whole Haftar today. And Vesito Enabigulenu. The way he expresses that is by the word Yevaluch Bana You know, between a, 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 a boy and a girl, meaning a young, a young couple, as they would say it. Which is, which is kind of interesting. That's what he means when he says, you know, that the Maluch and everything will come back, will be um, secure. And uh, indeed, uh, let's put it this way. It's even more than that. It's that when the third, when the gula comes, um, it'll have a freshness to it, so to speak. You know, the Malbim talks about that. Shalote Shivat Yisrael Artsam Keshavim Pamechot. That the return of the Jews to the land won't be to someone who whose land was desolate before. Like a, a, a couple that got divorced and was re, reunited. Well, guess what? He's wrong because we all know that the Jews came back to Israel as a group starting, what, 100 and some years ago. Now it's about 140 years ago, 1880s. And Enoch and Ami, it was a Shemama, right? Uh, that's what the... Uh, <laughs> All the Zionist propaganda. I mean, I don't mean the bad way. I mean in a good way. And those all they, they took a, a desert and turned it into a, a, a place. Now, I got to be really careful about that because the history of Eretz Yisrael in the modern times, since the time of the new Chalutzim uh, and all that, is an interesting one because even though we always described it as desolate, and there were a lot of places like that, but um, there's a lot of territory. Eretz Yisrael, what we call Judea and Samaria, you know, uh, which was not desolate. In other words, when the when the Jews came in the 1880s, all the rest of it, they did not buy land in what we would call the center of Eretz Yisrael, Yehuda B'Shamron. They bought land usually on the coastline in places like that, because that's what was available, has to do with which areas were owned by landlords and which areas were owned by peasants themselves. And the areas that were owned by landlords sold to the Jews and the other ones didn't. And that was mostly in these uh, coastal-type situations, which is why the map of Israel uh, within the green line, you know, looks the way it is. Uh, it's funny, but that's how it turned out. In ancient times, it wasn't like that. The, the heart of Eretz Yisrael, where the Jews lived, was the opposite. In other words, what we have today is flipped. Uh, there was For a long, long time, the Jews were not mainly in the coastal area. Uh, the Gaim usually were. In the modern 20th century, 19th or 20th century, it's the other way around. But uh, nevertheless, you can't deny that when the Jews came back, it was a lot of shmama, which actually was a good thing, because you weren't taking away from what people, you, you, you bought land, you settled land when nobody was. Uh, but nevertheless, this is the way the Mepharshim look at it. And the idea of Kiev or Bachar Basula is one of aptness. Uh, and I think the Malbum or somebody says this, when it comes to uh, marriage and things like this, all kinds of situations can happen. You could have an almana with a bacher. You could have a, uh, a almond with a besula. 
You know what I mean? In other words, you can have marriages where he's young, she's old, she's young, he's old, this sort of thing. And they do happen, no question about it. But the normal, proper way, it, hope, hopefully, you know, Shadduchim are what they are, I know. <laughs> but the best, the proper way is he's young and she's young. Right? Nowadays we say like this, he's in, uh, you know, what should I say? Around 20, whatever, 20, 25, so she, you know. Something like that. Um, it's not always that way, but you know that's what. So they use this. That's why Yeshayo is using the word "kiva bacher basul yevaluk benayich." That it'll be the the return there to the just be like a natural, lachatila type thing. It'll be a good union. Uh, I think more along the lines of what I was saying before, which is v'sitayne begulenu. The expression and. Again, getting past the euphemisms, what is the Navi saying? The word Boel, B, and all the rest of it, to my mind, denotes um, the closest possible contact. I mean, that's the way people are. The human beings are. Um, and therefore, the most secure. So, I think it's an expression that when the Kalah comes back and the time of Mashiach, it'll be Kiva Bokhar Basula. It'll be the most uh, deep penetration of land possible uh, in the sense that it'll be secure. And uh, that can express itself in two ways. And this very much fits with the with Parshish and the It can be physical, it can be uh, uh, religious. Uh, we are today, in the year 2022, Tufshin and the Pei Bays, uh, struggling all the time to hold on to Eretz Yisrael. I think the Prime Minister of Israel now, Lapid, the other day said, I guess he's fine with a Palestinian state. Oh, that's that's, that's a great idea, <laughs> right? Um, that'll make you really secure. Uh, we're holding on by our fingers. And Israel is always living, ever since 1948 and before, under an existential threat the way no other country is, uh, to be destroyed. And it could happen at any second. That's why we're always on our toes. And you know that there are a lot of bad actors out there. And even though it seems to us that things are fairly quiet, but if you ever really close, pay close attention to the news, you will know that Israel is sending you know, soldiers and the Shin Bet and this and that and the other all the time to frustrate one attempt against us after another. It like doesn't stop. Fortunately, they don't stop, but we don't stop either. But it's not like anything's really secure. So it's not, it's, it's, and the way one would describe the physical situation in Israel would not be today in the year 2022, Kiev, they have like a perfect union and they're both uh, as closely attached to each other as human beings are physically capable of being and everything's great. It's not so. Uh, Israel is always living with existential threat. And we're just too aware that we could lose the whole thing. I think there is an expression in Israel, I forget what it's called, that this is the only state we have. They say that in the Vrit. You know, this is the only state we have. Um, you know, Chas B'Shalom. So that's a different story. That's like a couple being married, but, you know, it's an iffy business. Let's say, for example, it's his third time. I'm just making this up. It's his third time and her fourth time, you know, at marriage. It'll work, it won't work. You know, they're giving it a shot. If it doesn't work, all right. 
They wrote up the prenups beforehand. The lawyers are all in, in place. They'll give it a shot. Maybe it'll work out good. Maybe not. That's very different, Key Upper, but Bukha Basula. That's not when, when a young couple gets married. The plan, hopefully, is that we're not just giving it a shot. You hope that this is a lifelong business. An endless business. Right? That's what you're hoping to get married. I, I, would, I would hope that's the case. That's called Yibra Bukha Basulai. So, in the physical sense, Israel cannot be this secure when you have a large Arab population living in Israel, which is hostile to you, which is nothing but the case. For whatever reason, the good Lord has so designed matters that in the lifetime of the modern state of Israel, there's a lot of Jewish stuff going on, no question about it. You have a, a, a gigantic uh, thing of, of non-Jewish, of course. And it's not simply there's a, a, a very, very large majority, I mean minority and maybe a majority, they play around with the numbers, who are not Jewish, but are intensely hostile. And would do anything they could to cut your throat if they if given an opportunity. That's not called Kiev or Bachar Basulach Yevlokbanoich. That's not called La Artsech Baula, Artsech Tiboel. That's not the settled kind of long term business that we that we we describe in Vesito Enebigvulenu. And so the Navi is not describing in this Haftorah where we're holding now. We would like to think, even the biggest rough cook type guy. That you know we're on the road, right? but you ain't there yet. Um, and then Yivar Bukh Masach also can be understood religiously and spiritually, because again the 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 the, uh, the deep penetration of the Bukh and the Basul knows the, the 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 close union. We call this Dvekas. Knows we mean we we mean. That people are thoroughly, I don't know what the right word is, but their amuna is thorough, you understand? Uh, and not something easily overturned. That's true for some and not true for others. And I think for a lot of people, not. And uh, you can't say Kalisrael as, as a group is holding by that yet. I was, you know, I just had a hunch myself that when I saw this Pusik, I don't know why, I said, this sounds like it's really for Azaria Figo. The Binalitim, you know, uh, the fa- famous darshan, my favorite darshan from uh, Venice. And sure enough, I just looked at it now, just before I, I started this. And he has, indeed, a, a wonderful drush in his fancy schmancy style, uh, drush nun uh, membes, for, for Shavuos. It's a speech he gave in Venice on Shavuos. And the reason is because Shavuos is the marriage of Klal Yisrael to Hashem. You can view it that way. Um, may I say that the uh, Shira Sherem and all that is built around these metaphors. It's not Isaiah came up with this on his own, as we all know. And he, in his Baroque fancy style, gives a whole business comparing the you know, the, the, the relationship of Hashem and the Klai Yisrael to a marriage with all the halachic niceties. And you have Shera, Ksusa, Onasa, Rafua, Pedian, Kavura, all the halachas, Mazonas, uh, Mador, Mazanabonos, Ksubus Benin de Korean, I mean, it's a tour de force, in which he shows that each one of these um, aspects of the classic Talmudic marriage um, is, is, is found in the Torah. And which one does he talk about ours? Meaning, Kiyavar, Bachur Besolaich, Bachur Besol, Yevaluch Bonaich, Mesos Chosan Alkal, Yosis Alaich, Alohayach. Well, he says, Oh no. 
that in other words, when Hashem and the Jewish people got married, so that means he, he has to promise to provide She'erik of Onuso, right? And the Onu, of course, is the physical closeness. Now, it doesn't mean that God's having sex with the Jewish people. So what does it mean, the physical closeness? Is it Devekis? I'll use his words. That this Lashon, which is euphemistic, the superficial meaning of this, uh, which is Bio, Yora is really having in mind that's a very elegant way of trying to describe what I'm of saying what I'm trying to describe, which is what does it mean uh, that you're have a be with Hashem or something like that? Was this Yichud Hakadosh? So what it means I understand that to mean that first of all Yichud in the sense of I'm married to you and nobody else. So if Hashem marries us, then you know then we can't marry anybody else. Uh, and if you do marry some, and let's say the wife, let's say Kali Israel does marry somebody else. The condition is not typhus. So to use, let's say the Klaisrael worships a golden calf or a Baal or an Asherah. The condition is not typhus. You get it? Because we're already married from Harsinai. So that's a nice idea. In addition to that, Yichud HaKadosh can also mean that the Jewish people will, will understand the Echad idea, in other words, what, what, what Hashem is really about. To the degree a person can do that, and if you're enlightened to that degree, uh, then you've reached a point where the relationship is intense. It's that thing that I read the other day from the Chazanish and others, where, um, you know, you're, you're already talking about an ecstatic, uh, mystical relationship. Kali uh, is not holding on that level yet. That's what Yeshayahu is talking about. Plus, Hadibu Koeloki. Now, Dibu Koeloki is a two-way street. That Hashem is Dveikis by us, and we have Dveikis by Hashem. Dveikis is mental, of course. And so, there what he means is that if you think about it, the uh, the closest possible way I can get to God, the Bia, so to speak, is the Dveikis, is to think about Him at, at all times. Uh, then, the relationship, although of course not physical, is intensely close. I would even say that mysticism in general has been described by most scholars of mysticism. If you ever go and look it up, uh, and the idea of the closeness of, uh, I mean, I, the different professors will talk about, you know, the, the uh, how should I put it? The consciousness of an immediate direct presence of God, uh, the closest uh, with us. I mean, even William James said, you know, in mystic states, we become one with the absolute. We become aware of our oneness. Well, that's what the deep book Elohim is. So these are all famous theologians and professors who are trying to put into English or whatever language the notion of Kiev or All I'm saying is, and with this I conclude, that it's a very interesting way to end the year because it's basically a prediction of, and therefore a plea for, getting beyond the, the, the rote, the regular, the boring. Kivar Bachar B'Sulayach, that's just an intense experience. Kivar Bachar B'Sulayach, it's his time, he's a Bachar and she's a B'Sulayach, it's their first time. Uh, that's an intense experience. And um, 
that's the kind of you know experience that Isaiah says the Jewish people have when they return uh, to Eretz Yisrael, either in the sense of physically return to Eretz Yisrael, which is half of it, but also the Ruchnius uh, Dicker return uh, to the relationship I just described, which is sui generis. It's it, it's the kind of uh, you know psychological whatever phenomenon that's uh, unique, and uh, therefore people like myself and others you know, you, you can imagine what it's like. You approximate it. I'm I'm reading what it says in Haftorah, but uh, no one will know what it's like until they experience it. So uh, that's what I would conclude with. The same way you can't tell somebody's not married what it's like. Yeah, it's a classic speech you give to the, you know, to the single. I said, well, you know, you know, you know what it's like till till after it happened. So similarly, the, the Novi is describing a future in which nobody he can describe it. You're not going to know what it's like until it happens. But you can see that it's that it's going to be a big deal. Uh, I think, therefore, that this use of unusual uh, metaphor is uh, worthy of note, and there's probably deeper meanings than I'm finding in it. But you know, not everybody's a couple or something like that, and uh, we'll leave it at that. So once again, I want to reiterate that uh, today's talk was uh, dedicated to the uh, my wife's father's uh, memory, and if I don't see anybody beforehand, then I wish everybody Shana Tovatiko Seva Seva For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.